Do you have uh, Oh, Middle High School, Sunday School. You are dismissed. So Middle Highers, um, you're dismissed to your Sunday School class. You know, I'm really excited about um, this series. I really am. Because this is one of the series where I think, you know, I, you know, I did a lot of study in, in this. But, you know, when I was young, you know, we used to be encouraged as a child. I used to be encouraged, whether it was books or family members. And they said, Dave, you could be anything you want to be. You could be anything you want as long as you put your mind to it. Right? And I know that was well-meaning, but then I grew up realizing that that's a lie. (laughs) I could not be anything that I wanted to be. I could not be a physicist talking about quantum mechanics. I am just not that smart. I wish I was, because that stuff, you know, excites me. I was just talking to uh, one of our members, maybe you know, a couple weeks ago, and I, you know, I said, you know what? I read this article, and it was talking about the Big Bang theory, and it says that well, now scientists are moving away from that because it's incompatible with dark matter and dark energy. What's that all about? And as we were talking, he was giving me his thoughts, and just my brain exploded. Right? I cannot be a physicist. No matter how hard I tried, no how hard I studied, I could not be a physicist. You know, I could not be an NBA basketball player. I could be practicing every single day, but I could not. Why? Because I'm only 5'7", and I know there's been people shorter than me in the NBA, but I do not have that God-given talent. You know, when you watch Kobe Bryant play, you can say, I could do that. I could do that. It looks so easy. Well, that's because it's Kobe Bryant. He makes everything look easy until you try to do it yourself. You cannot be anything you want. You cannot. Why? Because we all have limitations. However, I discovered I could be everything that God wants me to be. I could be everything that God wants me to be. And to me, this is why this whole series is so important. Because this series applies to, you know, everyone, even if you don't believe. You know, we believe there's principles that you could learn that will change your life. Because it changed my life when I stopped fighting who I wanted to be. And I just accepted who God created to me, me to be. I accepted the fact that I had limitations. I accepted the fact that, okay, I'm, I, I just don't have what it takes in order to have the lifestyle that I always wanted. You know, I wanted to be a lawyer. I couldn't be a lawyer. I wanted to be a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. I just don't have what it takes, Right? I wanted the lifestyle, but I didn't have the talent to get there. But once I understood that and embraced that, that changed my life. And this is why you need to be here. This is why it's so important for all of you. Because this series will apply to each and every one of you sitting here today. If you are a high school student, if you are a college student, if you could get this right now. This will make your life, when you choose a major, when you choose a career, this will make things 
so much easier for you. If you're a parent sitting here today, this will help you as you raise your child. So you don't push them into areas where, I I know you could be a physicist. I know you're going to solve the problems of the universe. I know it. You could do it. And then your kid goes, I can't do this. You know, parents, it's important. And for all of us, if we're fighting that and we're not happy, as Marco said, 87% of the people in the workforce today are not happy with what they're doing. They're not using their gifts in their job. This applies to you. And so this is why we're going to talk about our shape. Our shape isn't our physical shape. Our shape is that we are, you know, we're going to talk about the spiritual gifts. For those of us who believe, you know, we're going to talk about the spiritual gifts that God has given us. But whether you believe or not, each one of you has certain passions. Each one of you has things that, you know, when you talk about, that just lights you up. That gives you energy. That keeps you awake thinking about how I could do better in this. How I could make a difference. You all have passions. You all have natural abilities. Right? You all have different personalities. Some, and we're going to talk about this later. Some personalities are better suited for certain careers and, uh, than others. Right? And then we have experiences. And we all have different experiences. Unique experiences that shape us. And help you know, change who we are. And so as we go through this. You know, I hope that you stick with us for these 10 weeks. Because I think it will be very, very profitable. It changed my life and I know it could change yours. So why don't we just uh, hit the ground running here. If you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. It says, for we are God's handiwork. Now some of your versions may say workmanship. Created in Christ to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. It says, for we are God's handiwork. We are God's workmanship. And we know that God doesn't create junk, right? We are an artwork. And the word there is poema. The word, word we get poem. And so it's like, we are God's poem. Now all of you ladies are saying, oh, that's so nice. I'm God's poem. And all your men are going, you know, Pastor Dave, I'm sorry. I just don't feel that. You know, it's cool that I'm God's poem, but it doesn't do anything for me. Well, maybe this would. Okay, look, next slide. Instead of God's poem, you are God's Ferrari 812 Superfast. I don't know why they named it Superfast, but that's what it is, because I guess it goes super fast. It's got a V12 engine, 789 horsepower, and it could go 0 to 60 in 2.8 seconds. 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, 1,000, 60 miles an hour. I tried running, and I counted. I got about 10 feet, you know, in 3 seconds. This thing goes 0 to 60 in... 2.8 seconds. Now, I know that Marco talked about the danger of materialism. You know, I get that. And at a starting price of $315,000, I'm never going to get it. So I'm never going to have it to want to take it with me. Okay? However, you got to admit, that's an engineering piece of art. It's a mechanical piece of art. 
It's a design piece of art. So men, if you can't affiliate, if you don't really connect with poem, well, man, just think I, I'm God's Ferrari. 889 horsepower. I could do a lot with God's horsepower. But one thing that's true for all of us is we were all uniquely created by God. We are all uniquely, if you go to the next slide, we are all uniquely created by God. Psalm 139 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. So here David is talking about God creating him in his mother's womb. Now I get it. Now this is an ancient writing, right? And David really didn't understand about genes He didn't really understand about chromosomes. But we believe that God is the one who created genes. God is the one who created chromosomes. So in a way, so God created us. Because those things are the ones, things that create, you know, life as we know it. And so he's saying that God and and I love this writing because it's like God was there in my mo- mother's womb. He's overseeing this handiwork, this work of art in the mother's womb. And it starts there. And it says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that well. It says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place of my mother's womb. I was woven together in the depths of the earth. So could you get this imagery here that he's trying to use. He's trying to describe how God was intimately familiar with us. It says, your um, your eyes saw my unformed body and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. This is significant here. See, because God knows, or God knew what you and I we're going to become before we came out of our mother's womb. God was there. God was watching over this process. You know, he says he knows what you will be before you even come out. And he says that you are a masterpiece. No matter how you turned out, it doesn't matter because God was there putting, you know, seeing what you were going to become. And he said, you are my masterpiece. The problem with this world is this world defines what a masterpiece is. And most of us don't measure up to that. But what does the Bible say? You know, Samuel says that God does not look at the outside. What does he look at? God looks at the heart. God looks at the inside. That's what's important for him. God knew your potential. God knew what you could do and how you could impact the world, no matter how you came out. Why? Because he was there. And he says that our days are numbered. He knows how long we're going to be on this earth, right? You know, it's really interesting. If you go to Evergreen Cemetery, and if you just go in the driveway and you go to a right, there's a small portion of tombstones. And if you see, go to one of those tombstones, on one of them, you'll see Reverend David Fukuyama, 1961-. Right next to it, it's Grace Fukuyama, 19-blah-blah-blah, blah, 
dash, right? <laughs> and, you know, when we do it, because it, it's the family um, tombstone. And some of the family members didn't put their names up there. Because they, they felt that was just too weird. That some of that would jinx their life, you know. And it, it, it kind of took a while for me to get used to that, seeing my name etched on a tombstone. But you know what? I tell them, God knows how long I'm going to be on this earth. You know, I can't change that date. I can't change that date. So whether my name's on there or whether I refuse to put my name on there, that day is coming and can't be changed. This is God knows you intimately. He knows your future. He knows your potential. He knows how you're going to impact the world. Why? Because he was there in the womb. And he sees the future. Right? And you may have feeling right now that I'm just less than. You know, I'm a disappointment to, you know, my parents. Uh, You know, I've been a failure. You know, I'm not a masterpiece. I'm a piece of junk. Well, that is not what the scripture says. The Bible never calls anybody a piece of junk, right? You know, especially for those of you who are children, you're a masterpiece. Don't let the world tell you that you're not. Don't let the world tell you that you're not. You know, Paul also refers to this in the New Testament. It says in, um, no, I'm sorry, um, in Isaiah 64, 8, the author writes, Yet you, Lord, are our father, and we are the clay, you are the potter, and we are the work of your hand. Oh, no, I'm sorry, that, I got mixed up there. But it sounds like that was from Paul. I just wrote that in, wrong in my notes. But anyway, what we were saying that, um, he's saying that we are the clay. God is a potter. And, you know, Paul even states that he says, the clay has no right to tell the potter, why did you make me this way? You made a mistake, right? No. The potter has a right to create whatever he wants out of clay. Why? Because he's God. And so many of us do that, right? We look at God and say, God, you made a mistake. You made a mistake. You know, why couldn't you have made me like so-and-so? With a clay. God was there when we were being formed. God saw our potential. And he said, no, you are my work of art just the way I created you. You know, he goes on in Psalm 139. It says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. And it says, God intimately knows his creation. It says, you know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. And you are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. God knows what you're going to say before you even say it. You hem me in and behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty to attain. And what this is saying is God knows everything about you. And God it says his presence is everywhere. All right? He hems you in from the front and from the behind. So 
for those of you who try to run from God, you're just going to end up bumping into him. You know, that's what, you know, the psalmist is saying. How many times have we tried to run from God? God's everywhere. When we try to run, you know what? We just bump into him. But isn't that great to know that we, when we run from God, we end up just bumping into a God who loves us? A God who said, Dave, you are my masterpiece. I created you special. I created you uniquely. Don't run from that. Don't run from that. Embrace it. That God knows us that intimately. God knows us that intimately. And then 1 Peter 2.9. It says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. It says, we are a chosen people. We're a royal priesthood. Do, do any of you think of yourselves as priests? He says, we're a holy nation. How many of you guys view yourself as holy? Probably, yeah, all right, some of us do, right? All hands should go up. Because that's how God views us. God doesn't see us as sinners. God sees us as saints. God says you are holy. Not because of you. Because of him. Because what he's done for each one of us on the cross. But basically what that means is when he says you're holy. All that means is you've been set apart. That you've been set apart. So each one of you have been set apart to do the work of Christ. And this is why this is important. Why? Because if we do not follow God's unique plan for the way he created us, we will never be happy. Let me say, rephrase that. It is impossible for those of us who believe in Jesus Christ to ever be happy or satisfied Apart from following the will of God in our lives. And some of you know that because you're sitting here right now fighting that. And the reason being is that God says that you are a new creation. Okay, you and I are a new creation. We were changed to be like Christ. We are God's Handiwork. We were changed to follow Christ. We were changed to live like Christ. And we can't go back. We can't go back. You were changed. And some of us don't, you know, if you could just get that. As once you took that step of faith in Jesus Christ, you were completely changed. You are completely changed. The Bible says that, you know, we're transformed. Then the word it uses is metamorpho. And that's just like the word when we use like a caterpillar has changed to a butterfly. And once you make that change, you can't go back. You may want to try, but it is impossible. So each one of us are new creation. We were created to serve God. We were created to follow God. We were created to obey God. We were created to live our lives in the way that he uniquely created us, our shape. And if we don't do that, if you want to say, nah, you know, I want to, I want to do this instead. 
I want to be this instead. It can't be done. Why? Because you have been completely changed. You are a new creature. It is impossible for you to go back to where you were before. So you could either embrace that or you could fight it. But it's never going to happen. You can never go back. I mean, you used to be an off-road vehicle, bouncing around on the rocks, going on these rough trails, off-roading, just enjoying the wildlife out there, the untamed nature. You were this off-road vehicle. Now you're a Ferrari, 812 super fast. You cannot take a Ferrari off-road. What happens if you try to take a Ferrari off-road? You'll destroy the car. Why? Because it is not meant for the off-road. Brothers and sisters, for those of you who have been changed, transformed to a Ferrari, you can't go off-roading anymore. Because why? You've been changed. You are not built for that anymore. You could try. Go try it. You know, I've tried it with a rental car. <laughs> we were, uh, you know, I rented this uh, car to go fishing. And it was supposed to be a midside car. And they gave us a Lincoln Continental. And I go, how am I going to take a Lincoln Continental to fishing? This is embarrassing. You have SUVs all over the place. Then I have a Lincoln Continental, right? But to get to the trails, which is fishing places. We're just bouncing all around. And I was, you know, fortunately I got insurance for that car. So all the scrapes and bruises didn't cost me anything. But it was ridiculous, right? But it's the same for us. If we say, you know what, God? I don't, you, you made a mistake with me. I don't like the way you created. I want to be somebody else. And you try to be that somebody else and God is saying, okay, go for it. Go for it. You're not going to be happy. Take your Ferrari. Take it off-road. See what happens. Hey, but then you take it to the Indianapolis 500. Hey, then you could see what it could do. Right? And so some of us sitting here today, we need to grapple with that. Is that we can't go back. We can't go back. And I want to conclude with this. And I've shared this verse, um, Philippians 1, 6, and this is what the Apostle Paul says. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It says he began a good work. A lot of times this reverts, revert, um, refers to salvation. But if you could look at the picture I have there. Uh, that one. You have a lifeguard saving a person. Now, a lot of us view our, our salvation like we do this picture here. We're out there drowning, and then all of a sudden, oh, this handsome Baywatch lifeguard comes and to save us. And he saves us. And we view that event as a one-time thing. Why? Because the lifeguard saved me from drowning so I could do what? Continue to go on with my life. He saved me so I can continue to go on and experience life. 
And that's the way somehow we believe our salvation is just like this. That God saved us. Ooh, he saved us from our sins. He forgave us. Why? So I could continue to go on leading my life. Right? It's kind of like um, a lifeguard going in and saving an SUV or the ugly duckling, right? And then when the lifeguard saves the ugly duckling and brings it to shore, it's what? It's a swan. It can't go back. It's got a new purpose. So we need to see our life and this, our salvation, not as a one-time event. That God just saved us so we could continue on with our life as it is. We have to realize that God saved us. And it says right here that he promised, that Paul was confident, that he who began a good work in you is going to carry it out. God is in the business of growing you spiritually. And he's not going to stop. You know, you could be pliable and allow him to mold you. Or you could be stiff and hard. Then he brings out that chisel and hammer. You know, it's up to us. But God loves us so much that he sees our potential. He said, David, I made you a promise. I made you a promise that I am never going to give up to you on you. No matter how many times you fail, I'm never going to give up. Like that song says, right? I'm never going to give up. You know? And it's up to us to make that choice. Do we want to let God shape us by molding us like clay? Or do we want to allow God to shape us and mold us like we're a piece of marble? And you have to get out that uh, chisel. And... I only have one weekly challenge. It's, it's not up there, but um, you know, one of it's to read 139, Psalm 139 every single day this week. But one thing I want each and every one of us to think about, think about where you are right now. Think about how you view yourself. Think about your desires and where you want to go. Have you yielded to God's design for you? Do you believe that you are God's masterpiece? That he has a purpose for you? Or are you in a place right now where you're fighting that? Where you say, God, you know what? You, you created a piece of junk. You created a masterpiece in them. Why couldn't you do that with me? And you're fighting that. And I would like you to ask God to open your eyes so you can see the masterpiece that he created it to be. And if there are people in your life that feel that they're a piece of junk, that God did not create a masterpiece in me, would you be an encouragement to them? Would you be encouragement to them? And say, God, God doesn't make junk. You know, he knew what you were going to be like when you were in the womb. And he said that you were his handiwork, his poem. While he will, while you were in the womb, let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I, I just thank you so much that you love us, Father. That you you gave us all unique abilities, passions, talents, Father. That um, and ex- 
you, you know us so intimately, Father, that you were there when we were in our mother's womb being formed. You knew how we were going to turn out. And even then, Father, you said we were your masterpiece. And Father, I know that there are people here who probably don't believe that. Maybe they, because they were never affirmed by the people that were supposed to affirm them. That the people in their lives, Father, that were supposed to say that you are God's work of art. Instead of hearing that, they heard, you are a worthless piece of junk. You are a disappointment. You are not like so-and-so. Father, for those people who are sitting here right now, who don't believe that they are your precious work of art, Father, would your spirit work in their hearts? Father, may your words, your powerful words, change the way they view themselves. That, Father, you think that they're awesome because you created them and you created them for a purpose. Father, and there are those of us who really don't like the purpose we were created for. We had other dreams for our lives. And we are fighting who we, you created so we could pursue those dreams. And yet, Father, we're just running up against the wall. We're experiencing disappointment after disappointment. For those here, Father... May your spirit affirm them. May your spirit soften their hearts. May your spirit allow them to give in and embrace how you created them. And Father, may they follow you in the way that you created them. Not in the way that maybe their parents wanted them to go, their friends or other people, significant other, but Father, in the way that you created them to live. Father, I ask that you would bring back the joy in our lives that only comes when we follow you. Father, soften our hearts to realize that we were changed forever and that we it's impossible for us to go back. It's impossible for us to do anything now but to serve you if we want to find joy and satisfaction in life. But Lord, what joy and satisfaction there is when we live out our your purposes out in our lives. So thank you, Lord, so much. And over this next 10 weeks, Father, may you continue to mold us. May you continue to shape us. And Father, may this be the day that we start embracing who you created us to be. In your son's name we pray. Amen.